Um, yeah, so like uh, here at uh, New Philly Seaside, we've kind of been like wandering around Busan, uh, trying to find a place, and it's kind of like how God led the Israelites through the wilderness uh, for all those years, you know, and kind of had them in that place of wilderness. And, uh, you know, we first started out in Sea Cloud Hotel over there in Heonde. And then uh, if, you, if you notice that our worship is extremely loud. And, uh, you know, our core value, the first core value is to be extravagant in worship. And so when we worship, we worship loudly. And the hotel staff at, uh, at, the, at the Sea Cloud Hotel was like, you guys are too loud. Please uh, leave. And so we, we kind of got kicked out of there. And uh, uh, we, got, we moved to a bar in the Kwangali, right in the heart of the middle of Kwangali, right at the T intersection of the beach. It was on the, t- it was at the 14th floor. It's called C. Robert's Boss. It was a great place. It was like a, it's a huge bar. It overlooked all of the ocean. And we we're like, man, God's taking us from, from glory to glory. And it was such a, gr- a great place. Well, that place became a crab restaurant. So we got kicked out of there. And then uh, we went to a Chinese restaurant called Maiku, which was, which was probably one of the to, to speak at. It was like this really nice, it was almost like a wedding hall. It was this, this beautiful kind of seminar room overlooking the ocean. Uh, and it had like great seats and had a grand piano. And then uh, that place was a little too expensive for us. And so we were actually looking for a permanent building. And this is actually where we ended up. We have an amazing ocean view. Uh, one of the things that we were praying for was high ceilings. If you notice, these ceilings are quite high. You know, even Matt Anderson can't touch the actual ceiling, him being 6'4", you can touch these little, these buttresses, but the actual ceiling, even he can't touch. So these are actually tall ceilings. Uh, we actually were praying for uh, clean bathrooms that, we, that was our own, because, you know, we noticed that the Itaewon Sanctuary uh, back in Seoul, we shared the bathrooms with, like, other people on the, in the building. And so there's, like, a PC bang and, like, all these other places, and it can get quite funky. But uh, our, our bathrooms are our own, if you notice, they're right there, and so we can actually, you know... We were able to keep them clean. And so we know that we always have clean bathrooms to go to. Uh, we pray for an elevator. And, you know, it's, a, it's not the biggest elevator, but it's, a, it's an elevator. And all these prayer requests were being answered as we were looking and we found this place. Uh, we were actually looking for a place that can fit about 100, and, 100 to 150 people. And if you notice these walls right here, these are all like really cheap walls. You know, they were put up by the people that used, used to be in this building before. And these, all of this wall up here, even the ceiling walls, can come down uh, just with, with a sledgehammer. Just come right down. And we can actually bust open this area. And if we, if we grow, if we get to a place where we're like in like 60, 70, 80 people, we're going to bust down this wall and we're going to be able to worship. Uh, and I think with my, you know, with my eye and with my estimation, I think we can easily fit about 150 people in here. Because we're going to like knock all this over and just make it a big sanctuary. And so God's really blessed us with this space. And I believe that, uh, you know, it's, it's a sign of God that He is a God of, uh, that takes us from glory to glory. But He's a God that takes us from every increasing glory to glory. I mean, like, the, you know, his, 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 his glory and His goodness has no bounds. And we know that this is just the beginning from New Philly Seaside. You know, we're going to be hitting the thousands. You know, and, and if we truly believe that, we're going to look back on this day. And we're like, man, remember that dinky building that... You know, we were worshiping at, you know, with the, you know, with the bathrooms right next to the sanctuary. You know. And then, like, I had this, there's a place way in the corner of Kwangali Beach. It's beautiful. It's called Third Floor Space. And it's, uh, it's this huge 
like it, right now it's like a cafe, but it's all nobody goes there because it's so far from the beach, and like it's always empty. You know, you know the one by Mango's Mango whatever Mango Six, that corner building. That place is always empty, and uh, nobody actually goes there. And I believe, I, I, and also I when I go to work at Sharky's, I ride by that every day, literally every day. I ride my bike by it, and I look up. And I was like, man, like I could see us being in that because that could, that could place could hold about a thousand people. I mean, it's a huge area, you know, it's like got like high ceilings, it's a beautiful space. So, you know, that's something that we can pray into. And I really believe that God's going to bring us uh, into these glories in the future, you know. And he, his, you know, his hand and provision over this church plant has no end. You know? And he is a really, he's a good God. Uh, I've been speaking recently on the, the you know, for the last uh, few months, I've been speaking on the core values of our church. You know, the core values, the, the, the um, core leaders got together a few years ago, and we came up with these nine core values. And um, I've been speaking on the vision of our church, which is to raise up an army of mighty warriors. It comes from Isaiah 61. And, and in doing that, I've been speaking uh, about this army dynamic that we're in. You know, a lot of people, they get kind of confused at this army dynamic. We actually have, in the leadership, we have an army structure. So when you come in as a reserve leader, you're like a, what are you, a, a specialist, and you, you go up the ranks. You know, it's because, you know, our, our, the, our, the, in the kingdom of God, there is order. Amen? And there is, you know, there's authority, there's submission to authority. And so, you know, we have this army structure. And I've been preaching, the first sermon that I preached was uh, as Jesus Christ being the commander of this army. You know, he is a commander of the Lord's army as he met uh, uh, Joshua on his way to, to sack Jericho. He met this mysterious man. And he was the commander of the Lord's army. And, and it, is, it was Jesus Christ. You know, in, in, in a, a pre-incarnate form, leading the, the commander, leading the army of God into victory. You know, and in that way, we as God's people in his army, we have to look to Jesus Christ. You know, our eyes cannot come off of Jesus Christ. Yesterday I was talking to Kelly, you know, and, and I was talking about marriage. And, you know, when, when me and Mina, you know, we got married and we're, we're on this race together, you know. And, you know, yeah, I'm supposed to lead. But ultimately, we're running this race together. And our focus is on what? It's on Jesus Christ. You know, and there are some times in our marriage where Mina, you know, she's like, she's gifted administratively, and she's been under Pastor Christian, like literally, like just his, basically like, you know, his secretary for like many years. And she knows the heart of Pastor Christian. And so there's times where, like, I'd be doing something, and then she'll, like, guide me. She'll, like, she'll point me in, a, in, the, in the right direction. He's like, you know what, Caleb? You should do things this way. You know what I mean? And he points, yeah, like, at, at, at Pastor Christian and the leadership, but ultimately she's pointing to Jesus Christ. Right? Because he is the commander of our army. And our eyes need to be focused on Jesus Christ. I also, I also preached about the spirit of, of David being the spirit of this army. You know, David was the perfect example of a warrior for the Lord. I mean, he was fearless. He'd be taking down lions and bears. You know, there was a nine-foot giant, Goliath, and he's like, you uncircumcised Philistine, how dare you come against me? You know I mean, how dare you come against me in the army of the Lord? You, know, like, you have your sword, you have your javelin, but you know, I have a little slingshot, I'm going to take you down. And he took him down, he was fearless. At the same time, he was a worshiper. You know, he, he spent that time in the wilderness with his sheep, you know, in the Lord, and he, he, he cultivated this relationship with the Lord where he longed to be in his presence. You know, and when you look at the, the, the book of Psalms, all of this, the, the, the Psalms that are written by David, it all reflects this intimacy that he had with the Lord. This intimacy that, 
You, can, you can't fake that. Because it's like, it's the biggest book in the Bible. It's a hundred and something pages, and it's all written by David. And it was all this love relationship between him and God. Saying, God, you know, no matter, you know, he was getting chased down by Saul. Saul, this crazy man with a demonic spirit on him, trying to kill him, the king. And he's like, you know what, God, I, I need you now. And even when he was in the, in the pinnacle of his, in his kingdom, he was a king of all of Israel. You know, he gathered all the tribes together, and he was a king. Everybody looked to him. Even then, he's like, God, I need you. I, I need to be in your presence. And that's what we see as a spirit that we need to be walking in. As a, as a spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the, the army of the Lord of God has to be that of David. This, this fearless, able to take down and take on any opposition against the Lord from the enemy, but at the same time in this, this close, intimate relationship with the Lord that's seeking out His face and His presence. And last week, I, I preached on the equipping of the army. You know, God gives us weapons. You know, He doesn't throw us out there with nothing but our bare hands, but He gives us weapons to fight. You know, He gives us the, the armor of God. You know, he gives us the, the sword of the Spirit. He gives us the, the, the power of prayer, the power of, of, of worship. You know, He gives us the anointing. You know, all of these things he gives us. He gives us our testimony. These are weapons that we, we have in this army to fight and, and to be a soldier in the army of God. And today I'm going to talk about the mission. You know, if you look at an army, the, every army and every, every kind of like, like, like force, an army force has some kind of mission. You know, like when you look at, um, when you look at like the, 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 the people, the soldiers in Afghanistan and Iraq, you know, they... You know, some people are like, why are they there? You know, like, like a lot of people ask that question. Why are they there? Why are we even in Iraq? Well, they do have a mission. And their mission is to, you know, protect the uprisings that can come from the insurgents and protect and bring peace into that land. I mean, and like, you know, uh, the, the, the American soldiers here in Korea, when you go to Itaewon in Seoul, you see a lot of these American soldiers. And, you know, sometimes you think their mission is to come to Korea, you know, hit on Korean women and get drunk. You know, like... That's what it seems like, but you know what? Ultimately, when you look at every soldier, they all have a mission. They all have a reason and a purpose why, why they're stationed and why they're in the place that they are. I mean, no matter what kind of soldier you are, you have a mission. And we, you know, as a soldier of God, we have a mission. And it's a, a mission that comes from the Word of God. You know, our church, being one that's raising up an army of God, it also has a mission as well. And there, there are many churches out there. You know, with different mission statements. And I'm not here to knock on those churches and their mission statements. But, you know, there's all different kinds of people. And we need all different kinds of churches to meet the needs of these people. I mean, but I believe that at, that at this hour, God is looking for and is raising up churches that has this mission in mind. Why? It's not, it's, it's not only because it's biblical, but it's because it's necessary at this hour. You know, and it was also the mission statement of a very important man. A man that, you know, was very special. And it was his mission statement. And we're going to look at his mission statement, and which is actually ultimately our mission statement as well. I want you guys to turn in your Bible to Isaiah 61. If you don't know who this man is, I'm going to give you a clue. His name starts with J and ends with T. It's Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, it's his mission statement, and I want you, I want to take a look at it. The New York Cruz, you guys had you guys had a chance to memorize this. 
know. And so I'm going to read it in the NIV. I know that our church, um, we, we go by the ESV, which is a, a literal, a very a more literal version, uh, interpretation of the Word of God. But uh, the NIV is a great version, and we're going to actually read the, this in the NIV, the 1984 version, because, you know, it's the, it's the way that in which our church memorized this this. The, the, the scripture and it kind of became a part of our our, 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 our vision statement it was from this version so we're going to read it together is it up there okay it says right, let's read it together one two three the spirit of the sovereign lord is on me because the lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners Okay, that's good. We're going to read the rest later, but I wanted to kind of stop right there. Uh, I wanted to read verse 1. It says, it's the, it's the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners. And the mission statement of the army of God can be found right here in Isaiah 61. And we know this because, in essence, this is Jesus' mission statement. You know? We, we, if we look in the, the book of Luke in chapter 4, the scripture, you know, it talks about how Jesus, he was, you know, he, for 30 some odd years, he was a carpenter, you know, doing a lot of carpentering and, and building things. And it was under his, his father, Joseph, you know, learning the, the trade of the, of the family. And then when he came uh, of age, and he got baptized by John the Baptist. He got anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. He had his time in the wilderness. And then the first thing he does in, in, this, in the book of Luke is he goes into the synagogue. And then, you know, because he's a Jew, he's allowed in there. And he, the, 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 the scripture of Isaiah is open before him. And I'm going to read this to you. It says, Luke chapter 4, verse 17 to 21. It says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up and read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set, li- and to set a liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to him, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Man, that is gangster. I was like, I was like man. He's like, he goes in there. He's like, man. You know, that's, that's, that's so cool. And, right, and right, right after he says this, he goes out. And what does he start to do? Right after this. What, what is the the... 90%, 99% of Jesus' ministry, what did he go out and do? He preached, he preached, he healed, he taught, he casted out demons. Immediately after he, this is moment in the synagogue, he goes out and starts doing the heart of Isaiah 61. He starts manifesting these words. He becomes, this Isaiah 61 becomes his reality. And ultimately it becomes his mission. You know, man. That it was that's so cool. He goes up there, and I, when I read that, I get I get chills. I was like, man. And you know what? Did he do this to proclaim to the world? Like, yes, this is me. I am the Messiah. No, because everybody in that in, in that synagogue, what they think? 
Man, that's Joseph's kid. I know that he, I saw him when he was this big, man, he ain't the Messiah. And they all, they all just had doubt. And they're like, man, that, that's just Jesus of Nazareth. You know? And he didn't say this to, to really prove anything to the people. He said this. And he, he basically established his ministry at this moment. It was more for him. He's like, man, this is me. And this is my mission. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do it. It's like Mission Impossible. I don't know if you guys watch Mission Impossible, the movie. But most of you guys, you guys are young, so you guys probably identify Mission Impossible with the movie series with Tom Cruise, crazy Tom Cruise, you know? But when I think of Mission Impossible, I think of the old TV series I used to see, watch in the 80s. I'm that old. <laughs> I used to watch, you know, these are reruns from the 60s and 70s, so you know, I'm not that old, but I used to watch them. They used to be on Channel 5 and KTLA, and late at night, you watch, dun, 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 and you see this, like, fuse running around, and I was like, ah, it's Mission Impossible. And in the Mission Impossible, you always have this moment in this show where they learn about their mission. And there's this moment where, like, there's usually a tape recorder involved, and there's this voice in the tape recorder going like, oh, if you choose to accept this mission, blah, 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 blah. And then the, mis- and then the tape recorder, like, like, smokes, and all the information inside is gone. Now, but in, it's in that moment where that, the IMF team, the Mission Impossible team, is like they take on this mission. It's this moment where, like, all right, this is our mission. I'm gonna, we're going to do this. And in, in that way, this was Jesus saying, man, this is my mission. This is what I am here to do. I am here to, to, to you know, the spirit of the Lord is, Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to do these things. You know, and, and the mission that Jesus had didn't end when Jesus died. When Jesus died, he rose again, he ascended to heaven. It did not end there. No. The, the, the mission wasn't just for Jesus it wasn't just for the first apostles, uh, you know, that, that were gathered around Jesus. You know, because what, what happened? What happened after Jesus ascended? His disciples started doing what Jesus did. And the people that the disciples taught started doing what Jesus did. Jesus here in Luke 4, he's only quoting Isaiah 61, but there's a lot more stuff in there that needs to be done. You know, and, and who's going to fulfill these things? In the latter part of Isaiah 61. That's you and me. That the mission that started with Jesus Christ is being fulfilled in you and me today. That mission doesn't end. It, gets, it goes on. And it's entrusted to us. It's for everybody that is in Christ Jesus. This mission is upon us. It started with Christ. But those who put their hope in Christ, they continue to fulfill it. Jesus says in Mark 16, verse 17, And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. It doesn't say that these things will, these are the signs that will accompany me. Jesus doesn't say these are the signs that will accompany me and Paul and Peter and, and John. Or like the first, ten, first 12 apostles or the people that lived from 33 A.D. to, to 100 A.D. No. It said these are the signs that will accompany those who believe in me. And what else does he say? It says, in, in, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Brothers and sisters, 
The mission in Isaiah 61 doesn't end with Jesus Christ. It didn't end with the, when the last apostle died. But it, it goes on. And it's being fulfilled by the people that believe in Jesus Christ. You know, there's a, there's a story in the Old Testament. It's one of my favorite. It's first, second Kings. You know, it's one of my, my, I love the story of Elijah and Elisha. I mean, and you know, there's this man, Elijah, kind of a crazy man. You know, he like lived in the wilderness, ate locusts, and had this like camel fur coat. You know, like, and that was not the style of the times. You know what I mean, like, it was, it was like, he was like a, a crazy looking man. You know what I mean? Like, but he was a man of God. He was one in tune with God. And like one day he's just walking across and then there's this guy named Eli- Elisha. He's a farmer. He's farming you know, behind all these oxen. You know, he's a man of authority. He's a man uh, just, uh, you know, like doing his thing. And then Eli- Elijah comes up and throws his, you know, his mantle on him, his cloak on him. And then what does he do? Elijah just gets up and he's like, man, I'm going to go tell my parents, but I'm going to follow you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. I mean, he goes and he sells, he goes and he, he, he kills his oxen, burns them up, and he like sacrifices them. And he like, he goes, you know, and he follows Elijah, Elijah. You know, and, and, and in, and in following Elijah, he sees all these crazy things that Elijah does. You know, he like, he like, you know, defeats the, the prophets of Baal. He, he calls fire down from heaven. You know what I mean? Like, when, there's this time where, where, where the king, I forget his name, but, like, he falls through, like, this lattice. I don't know what that is. He falls, hurts himself. He's sick in bed. And he, and he goes out. And he's like, call, you know, get somebody to help me. And then on the way, these people are going. And Elijah meets him and says, you know what? It's because the people of Israel have, have turned from the Lord. That's why you're sick in bed. That's why this, this is on. You're never going to get better. And then the, the king's like, how dare he say this? And he sends 50 men with this, with this, with this general. He sends them to Elijah. And Elijah goes, Oh, okay. It caused fire down from heaven and burns them all up. And then one of the guys go back. He's like, man, they all died. What do we do? Sends another 50. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll go. And they go. And Elijah calls the fire down from heaven and kills him again. You know, he was a man of miracles, signs, and wonders. He was a man that, was, that moved in the supernatural. He was also a man that was connected with God. He was so connected with God. You know? And Elisha saw this, and he was like, man, I want this. I want this for myself. I want to be him. And there's this time when Elijah, you know, he's, he's, he's noted as one of the only people in the, in the Old Testament, that, in, the, in the Bible, that never died. Jesus never died, and Elijah never died. You know, there's this time where, where Elijah and Elisha are going through, you know, the, through, and there's, you know through, through, like, like he's going, he had the seminary. And he's going around and like, uh, meet, like going and saying, you know, what's up to all the, the different prophets that they were kind of raising up at the time. And then, uh, and they're like, you know, you, you know that your, your, your master is going to be, you know, like he's, he's going to leave you soon. And then what does Elijah say? He's like, be quiet. Like I, he knew, he knew, and he was going to stick by his side. And they cross the Jordan river and they're, you know, they come and then, and he's like, what do you want? Elijah's like, Elijah's like, what do you want, Elijah? What do you want from me? And he's like, I want a double portion of what you have. Like, I want a double portion of what you have. And then Elijah's like, man, I don't know if I can give it to you, but you know, if you see me going up to heaven, you got it. And what is it? This whirlwind comes. It's like this crazy. You know, I don't know what it is, but all these crazy things happen. And Elijah starts getting taken up to heaven. You know, and then his mantle falls. 
and, and Elisha catches it. He catches it, and he receives that double portion. And what does he do right after that? He takes that anointing. He takes what he got, that double portion, and he goes right to work. Parts the Jordan River, goes back. He doesn't swim across. He took that and went, bam, and it parted. He knew that he had it. You know what I mean? And, and this right here is, is a foreshadowing of what happens when Jesus Christ ascended to heaven. It foreshadows things to come. Because after Christ was raised from the dead, he didn't stick around for like 50 or 100 years kind of teaching us what to do, establishing the kingdom of God. He went up. He was there for like 40 some odd days and he like ascended to heaven. But his mantle was given to us. And the anointing that was on Jesus is available for us all. And we're not talking about a bootleg version of this anointing. You know, there's a, a smaller lesser version but what does he say he says in fact you will do greater things than i did because i'm going to the father how amazing is that he's saying that we're going to do, do do greater miracles we're going to come into greater things why because i'm going to give you my mantle i'm going to give you the anointing that was on me and it's, it's going to come upon you and I, after jesus goes up to heaven and Pen- pentecost happened up until that time the disciples, they saw, they were able to move a little bit in the anointing. Like when Jesus sent out the, the 72, he was like, you know what? Go and have fun. Do some stuff. And they're like, oh, Jesus. Even demons are like, you know, they, they, they are casting out by your name. And they're like, they saw a small, like, a, you know, it was just a little bit, you know. But when Pentecost happened and when Jesus ascended into heaven and Pentecost happened and the Spirit of the Lord came upon his disciples, man, they start going out and doing all these crazy things. Even the shadow even their shadows would heal people. It says in the word, a handkerchief. Like, for nowadays it would be a tissue. A tissue that I wipe my, my hair off, my, my sweat off after worship. I put it down and then somebody picks it up and they're like, I'm healed. These are the miracles that accompanied those who believed in Jesus Christ. And that did not stop, brothers and sisters. That goes on today. You know what I mean? And you want to look at right after the Pentecost, what happens to Peter. Peter was like a fisherman. You know, if you know back then, the Galileans, fishermen was like, you know, you could be a rabbi, you can be a, like a, you know, scroll bearer, kind of going to more of like the religious stuff. But when you weren't that smart, you know what you do? You pick up a fishing pole and a fishing net and you go fishing. And that becomes your job. It was like for the uneducated people, as the people that couldn't, you know, like, you know, when, when, when Jewish kids at a young age, they get picked, you know, to follow a rabbi. If, if they have, if they're brilliant, if they're bright, if they have like, you know, like they come from a good family and, and they're well, you know, they, they have that, they have that thing. The rabbis were like, oh, follow me. I want you to follow me. But the ones that don't get picked, they go and do what their fathers did. You know what I mean? And, you know, Peter, he was, he was a, he was a fisherman. It was a lowly career. Man, he had to, you know, touch fish, dirty, smelly fish all the time. Right? Nobody wants to do that. But what does he do right after the Pentecost? He goes up boldly. If you read it in Acts, man, it is with power and revelation. And he goes and starts preaching. He starts preaching the word of God. And, at, and it says that, that almost 3,000 people were added to their numbers that day. That is the anointing power of Jesus Christ that came upon his disciples. And Isaiah 61 unveils the purpose of these anointing. 
The anointing isn't just given to us for our enjoyment. The anointing, we don't have it just so that our quiet times are, are nice and sweet. Like when I worship, you know, I'm like, oh, this is so good, Jesus. Yeah, the anointing is good. It's good. You know, when you spend time with the Lord, it's good. But the anointing, the anointing of God that is upon your life for his believer, there's a purpose for that. There's a purpose for the anointing. But, you know, the purpose and the army of God needs to not just be anointed, but we need to be connected to the purpose of the anointing. Now, we talk about anointing all the time, anointing this, anointing that. It's a part of New Philly lingo. But you guys all need to get a hold of the anointing because you know what? The anointing is real. You know, today, you know, the worship was powerful. And, you know, I felt the anointing in this place. And I felt it. I was like, I was worshiping, and I was like, man, the Holy Spirit is in this place. Anointing is in this place. And then there were times when I, when I would be worshiping, I was like, man, the anointing is not here today. And everybody's like praising, like, oh, yeah, and it's just not there. And it's like work. But there's times when, like, even like when you're ministering and the anointing is there, man, and people, just, it just, they just receive it. It's real. It's real, and it's cultivated. You got to go after it. And, you know, there is not a specific formula in getting the anointing, but you know what? One key factor is drawing closer to the Lord. You can't get the anointing without spending time with God. There's no, like, shortcut, you know. There's no cheat code that you could type in. Anointing, click. Oh, I got that joint. No, you got to spend time with God. You got to be in his presence. You got you to gotta long for him. You say, God, I, I, I want more of you. And in that longing and in that connectedness with our, with our Lord and Savior, the anointing comes upon us. The anointing also comes through submission to authority. God places people over your life. To, to, to shepherd you and to guide you. And in that submission, that's one of our core values. In that submission to authority, God anoints you. I mean, if you look at, you know, Pastor Mina and us, you know, like that anointing that, that, that we carry, we know that it's not from us. You know, yeah, we, we foster our anointing, but by us being in submission to the house and to the leaders of the house, we know that it just flows down. And so there's times where I feel like, man, God, where is all this coming from? I, I, I barely did quiet time this week. But it's because I, we're, we're in submission to authority. We're in submission to the house. And we're in submission to Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron. And, and they are covering us. And in that covering, that anointing flows down. You know what I mean? But you all need to get a hold of the anointing. Because why? The anointing, you know, and, and the purpose of, of the anointing is our mission. In Isaiah 61, we're going to see the purpose of the anointing, and, we, and and today we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about the purpose of the anointing. So let's look at Isaiah sixty-one, uh, verse one. I'm gonna read it to you. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. It says, "Preach good news to the poor." You know? And I want to tell you that the first purpose of the anointing is to preach. What did Jesus do? He preached. He preached the gospel. And it says, preach good news to the poor. Does it mean to the, only the poor people? We go out and try to get all the, the poor people that are on the streets, gather them together, and we preach to them. We go out to, like, you know, the subway stations and the, and the streets, and we go out to, like, the poor areas of the city, and we go preach for them. No, he's talking about the poor in spirit. He said, blessed are those 
that are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And poor people, they know that they're poor. And so if you look at if you look at people that are that are that are poor, that are broke spiritually, you know, they know that they're sinners. You know, they don't try to cover it up. There's not that religious spirit on them. And that's why Jesus was able to minister so powerfully to like tax collectors and prostitutes and, and, and the destitute. I don't know why tax collectors get such a bad rap in the Bible. It's like, oh, you're a tax collector. I was like, oh, that seems like a decent job. But, you know, apparently in the Bible, it's like a bad thing. You know, it's like you, know, you're, you have to be morally depraved to be a tax collector. That's basically what it is. And to the prostitutes. Jesus was able to minister so powerfully to them because they were poor in spirit. They recognized that they were sinners. And the religious people at that time, you know, they were too caught up in thinking too highly of themselves that they refused to humble themselves before the Lord. And God, you know, he doesn't wait forever, so he goes to the poor. He goes to the people that know, I need saving. You know, I, need, I, need, I need to be helped. I need to be brought up. I need to be, be pulled up from these depths. And when you find these broken people, you know, they might be at the club. You know, they might be at the bars, the sharkies. You know, they might be hooked on drugs and alcohol like I was. And you would think that these people are the furthest people from the kingdom of God. But you know what? They can actually be the closest people to the kingdom of God. And that's what it means to preach the good news to the poor. And it's the first purpose of the anointing that God puts upon your life. It's to preach the word of God. And this anointing is for you. It's not just for the pastors and the ministers. Oh well, yeah, Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Caleb, they, they're preachers. So they're, they, I'm gonna, you, they preach, but you know me? Not everyone that it has the power of the anointing upon them, that has the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Everyone is called to be a preacher. You know, it says in Acts 1, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my, what? Witnesses. And in order to be a witness, you got to preach the good news. You have to tell people about Jesus. You have to tell people. You have to go out and evangelize. You got to, Go out on missions. You got to, you know, the people that God surrounds you with, you got to preach to them. They got to know about Jesus. You, know, you don't do it all up in their face, but you do it like, you know, eventually they got to know that there's something different about you. And they got to know that the reason is because of Jesus Christ. I talked about how Peter, after the Pentecost, man, that guy, you know, he just exploded into the scene. He started saving thousands of people because the power of of that anointing was upon him. And so the first purpose is to preach. The second purpose, let's read on in Isaiah 6.1. It says, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Another word, to bind up, can also mean to bandage. So bandage or to heal the brokenhearted. And our God is a God that heals. Amen? He's a God that heals. He is Jehovah Rapha. Lord, our healer. And we believe that he, He's not just a God that heals our hearts, but He's also a God that heals us, our bodies as well. He heals us of our sickness. Well, some people, they read this and they think like, oh, God, God could heal my heart, but you know, my body, I don't know. I just go to a doctor. I'm like, I don't, I don't believe that God heals because it says heal my heart. And, that's, and a lot of people, they see it as that. But you know, it says in the Word of God, 
that God heals us of our disease. Psalms 103, the God who forgives all our sins and heals all, all my disease. You know, Isaiah 53, 5, it's talking about Jesus. And it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Other translations said, by his stripes, we are here. He got beat. He could have just gone straight to the cross and got crucified. But no, he got beat. He got whipped. And in those whippings that he took, on his backs, and all those, those slashes and the stripes on his back, we are healed through that. The second purpose of the anointing is to heal. And when we see the people that were healed by Jesus Christ, what did he heal? Did he heal just their bodies? No. He healed every area of their being. Healed their whole body. Spirit, mind, soul, body, everything. For Jesus, healing and salvation came hand in hand. When he would heal somebody, he would also heal their soul. And they would come to know God. And they would be saved. So many of us, we see the healing power of God and we limit it in so many ways. We put it into a box. And we say, you know what? God heals but only in this way. And God heals, but only my heart. But when Jesus prayed, and when Jesus healed, He healed the whole person. You know, and, and, and what did He say when Jesus healed? Like, like, you know, Sarah Boyle wants to heal, you know, our brother Noble, he was uh, putting Q-tips in his ear the other day, and he slipped in the shower or whatever, and he punched his eardrum out. And so, something like that. That's what happened, right? And blood came out and everything. He's going to be fine. The doctor said that it'll heal perfectly fine, so don't worry. But when Sarah Boyle goes up to heal, he'd be like, by the name of Jesus, eardrum be healed. That's what she would probably say, right? But what did Jesus say? He said, your sins are forgiven. He said, your sins are forgiven. He didn't have to say, be healed. But he said, your sins are forgiven. And this made religious people very upset. It's like, why can't you just say, be healed? Why you got to be a blasphemer and start bringing forgiveness of sins into this picture? You know, they got all upset. They got, they, got, they got really upset at Jesus. And then Jesus said, which is easier to say the paralytic to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and take your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose up immediately, picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. And in Jesus doing this, he was healing the body and the soul. And he does this because our body and soul are connected in a sense. Now sometimes you have... Like, you know, you're holding on to unforgiveness. For, for years and years, you have this, this, this unforgiveness festering in your heart. You know, and eventually, that unforgiveness is not going to just remain in your heart. It's going to manifest itself physically. You got anxiety. There's people that get, get, get that, this, this anxiety in their hearts. And they, it breaks out. Eventually, it affects their body. They start getting headaches. They start wanting to throw up. Because right? our body and our soul is connected 
in so many ways. You see these old people in the subway, these old Korean ajashis and harmonies and harabajis. That means grandpa and grandma in Korean. You know, some of them, they got like faces that just look so contorted. They just look angry, like... <laughs> and I was like, man, what happened? But if you look, you know what? If you, if you get to know them, they have a lot of bitterness inside. Some of the, the angriest harabujis on the subway that would yell at us are some of the weirdest looking ones. <laughs> it's because, you know what? It, the, the bitterness that they have, it manifests itself in, in their face and how their face gets all contorted and stuff. You know, our body and our spirit and our soul are connected. And when Jesus healed, he wasn't like, all right, be healed of your blindness, but all that issue that you have in your heart, I'm going to leave that up to the therapist that you're going to see next year. No, he says, you know what? He says, your sins are forgiven. And he was healed. And in that time, in, in that forgiveness and in that healing, it's that anointing. You need that anointing to walk in this way. And the point I'm getting at is that the anointing that was on Jesus, it was to heal. And that anointing is for us today. And it's to heal our whole bodies, our whole being. It says Matthew 10.8, Jesus tells us to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. The purpose of the anointing that's over us is to heal. Second purpose. The third purpose of the anointing, let's continue on and read verse uh, in verse 1 of Isaiah 61. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the, for the prisoners. It's freedom. Freedom. Chawi. Is that right? Chayu. Can you, can you take that out of the podcast? Chayu. Freedom. You know? And, it, and what does it say? It says, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. It's, it's you proclaim and then you release. And our, our God is one that proclaims freedom over us and then eventually in faith we get, we get set free. And when you're trying to help break bondage off of someone, you've got to proclaim it over their lives. You've you got to proclaim it. And you've got to know in faith that they are going to be free. And you know what? By the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing, freedom comes into their lives. The third purpose of the anointing is, to de- is for deliverance. To deliver people out of bondage. It says in Acts 10.38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and, of the, and with power. And he went about doing good. And he, what did he do? He said, he, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. He had an anointing to set people free of everyone that was oppressed of the devil, under the power of the devil. And that's deliverance. It says in Matthew 12, 28. Everybody, turn your Bibles to Matthew 12, 28. Matthew 12, 28. You know, and Jesus, you know, he just healed the, the demon-possessed man who was also, you know, he was also blind and deaf. This, this homie was jacked up. He was blind, he was deaf, and he had a demon in him. You know, he's, 
is a, is a very sad, sad condition that he was in. Jesus heals him, and the religious people are calling him the devil. Saying, Jesus, he's in cahoots with the devil. Man, because you know what? Man, only devils can do stuff like that. And then what does Jesus say? Say, man, a, a house divided against itself cannot stand. It's like if I'm the devil and I'm casting out devils, man, that makes no sense. That's crazy talk. And what Jesus says in Matthew 12, 28, says, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is revealing the source of this anointing that he has to heal and deliver people. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to drive out demons. Don't ever try to drive out some demons without the Holy Spirit. You get jacked up. You know, there's a, the story of the sons of Sceva. Sceva was a high Jewish priest, and he had these sons. He had seven sons. And they were going around. They saw what Paul was doing. They saw what Peter was doing. And they're like, man, I think we could do this. And so they would go around to demon-possessed people and say, and say by the power of, of the man Jesus, and, and, uh, of whom Paul preached, or Peter preaches, or Paul preaches, uh, uh, be gone. And then the demon's like, what? I know Jesus. And I know Paul, but I don't know you. And that, that man that was demon-possessed, like, stripped them naked, all seven of them, and beat them up. It said they got stripped naked, and they got beaten up. But you know what? You need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in that power, the anointing power of the Holy Spirit, that you see deliverance. Now, the third purpose of the anointing is deliverance. And that's why at our church we have a powerful healing and deliverance ministry. And a lot of the new recruits, they went through healing and deliverance during the retreat. And what healing and deliverance is, is we go out, we go and we, we look at the, the issues in your life, the traumatic in times, the, the, the habitual sins that you went through, and you go and you confess those sins. You, you, you bear them open before the Lord, before your brothers and sisters, and you not only confess, but you renounce and you turn away from those sins, and you get set free. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that does it. You know, like, when I first went through my healing and deliverance, I was mad awkward. And I I thought that these were just words that I was saying. And you know what? Without the Holy Spirit in your heart, they are just words. Without the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, these are just words that you're saying. But you know what? Those words become proclamations of freedom when the Holy Spirit is on your life. When the Holy Spirit is manifesting inside of you, when that anointing is upon you, that comes upon you, those, those words of confession, those words of saying, God, I confess and I repent and I renounce this sin, they become proclamations of freedom. It says, proclaim freedom for the captives. The third purpose of the anointing is to bring deliverance to the people. Bring healing bring deliverance, to break bondages off, off people, to heal, to deliver. That's a, that's a, to preach, heal, and deliver. Those are the three purposes of the anointing. You know what? It's the purpose of the army of God. To preach the word of God. To heal people. To set them free of bondage. And it's the purpose and the vision of our church. We preach not just the preachers, but everyone through missions and evangelism. You're going to go out and you're going to preach the Word of God. And we heal people, not just spiritually, but physically, with the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And we deliver people from darkness into the light through healing and deliverance. That's what Jesus did, and that's what we do now. That's what our church does, and that's the vision of our church. And we believe that God pours out that anointing so that we can go out and fulfill the purpose of that anointing in our daily lives. There's a lot of teachers in here. You know, me, I'm not a very good English teacher. I don't know why. Not that I'm not good, I just don't like doing it. So I had this month, last a few months ago, where I was working 12-hour days. I would work six hours at a hagwan teaching. The kids I had were pretty good. Me and Mina were, Pastor Mina were working together. And the kids I had were pretty good. But even though I was like, man, I would hate getting up and going teaching these kids. I would, I, I would wait for the breaks. And then me and Mina can kind of play together in the playground. <laughs> while I let the kids play. Like, oh, go play. I don't play with my wife. Uh, yeah, where, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. And, but, but, like, when I, when I, and then that day, that, and then in the nighttime, I would go, and from like 6 to 12, I had to go Sharkies, and I would cook, and I'd, I'd, I'd like, work at the, at the restaurant. And man, I, I would go to the Sharkies early, like, 15 minutes early, because I was like, man, this is fun. I like doing this. No, but I, you know, the teaching is not for me. But for some of you guys, it's a calling on your life. Some of you guys are called to be teachers. And if you're a teacher, you know what? If the Spirit of the Lord is on you and that anointing is on you, your calling isn't just to teach, but it's to set students free. Your, your, your calling is to heal them. Not just, not just the wounds of their hearts, because yeah, they got a lot of wounds in their hearts, but it's also to heal them physically, pray for them, and to preach them and help them to be, to know the Word of God. That, that is your calling. That is your calling. As a member in the army of God, your calling, yeah, it may be to be a teacher, but it goes way beyond that. Some of you guys are in here are going to be businessmen. Holland, you're going to be a businessman. <laughs> he, he, has, he, he has a job lined up in Chicago when he goes back. They, he's praying about it. He's my small group member. But, yeah, he, but there's some of you guys are going to go out, you're going to join the, the business world, and you're going to make all this money. But in the, in the purpose of you, if your purpose is to make that money, man, you're falling short. Because if you have the Spirit of God on you, if you got that anointing, that money that you make isn't just gonna, just gonna make you wealthy, but it's gonna set people free. That money that you make is gonna heal people. That money that you make is gonna go out and, 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 and preach. No matter what field that God calls you to, you know me. I'm supposed to. I want. I want to start a restaurant. I want to go beyond that and 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 make a franchise and all these crazy things. And God's like, you know, giving me plans and giving me this desire. But if if my whole purpose is to feed people, something's wrong. There has to be more than that. You know what? There has to be more. And you know what? Money may may be it may be an end. It, you know, it may be the means, but it's not the end. That end needs to be. To be used, the anointing that God has in your life to preach and to, to heal people and to set them free. You know, under the power of the anointing, anointing you know, like, it, it's able to, 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 to free us and deliver us. Me and, me and Pastor Mina, between the two of us, there's a lot of people in our church that come from crazy backgrounds. You know, and just between me and, me and Pastor Mina, you know, we had... You know, issues of drug use, alcoholism, 
depression, promiscuity, fornication, abortion, robbery, lies, pornography, and overeating. <laughs> and that's, that, that's just the stuff that I just wrote down really quick off the top of my head. But under the power of the anointing, we are free from all that. We're free from all that. Maybe not overeating. I just, I just wrote that in there to be funny. I don't really think I overeat. I just think I eat, I eat well. But we, you know, man, we got set free from that. You know, Mina, Pastor Mina had an abortion. That no longer lingers in her head anymore. But she's free from that. I mean, she's free. I mean, I, all this drug use, I thank God that my head is still kind of somewhat together. And he healed me physically, you know? And, and, and as, as people are made whole, we don't want them to just be raised up, but we want to be, them to be raised up and to become conquerors. And we want to enlist them in the army of God so that they can fulfill the purpose of the anointing to heal, to deliver, and to preach. You know, and I want us to read the rest of Isaiah 61. I'm gonna, I want you, Sarah, uh, Sister Sarah, to put it up on the thing again. I want us to read it all together out loud. All the way to verse 7. It's a lot, but I want us to read it. Okay, one, two, three. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated, and they will renew renew in cities that they have devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flock. Foreigners will work your fields, vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. And you will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion and instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And say so they, they will inherit a double portion in their land. And everlasting joy with, will be theirs. And I want you to notice something in this passage. Something very interesting. If you look at the passage, and you look at the subject of this passage, it goes from, from all who mourn. You know, all who mourn. Uh, provide those who grieve in Zion. Bestow upon them a crown of beauty. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Now, if you look at the, the subject matter, it's all of these they and them. And they're talking about the hurting and the grieving, the oppressed people that are out there. But then there's a shift in this. In this in, and when we start reading, there's a shift. And the shift happens in verse 4. It says, it goes from all of this, you know, like, like this ministering that's coming upon them. And all of a sudden, they start becoming the ministers. So they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruins, renew the ruined cities that, that have been devastated for generations. 
And it says, it goes on to say, you will be ministers of our God. It goes, there's a shift. The first shift that takes place is from these people receiving ministry and it goes on to them doing ministry. And that's the purpose of this anointing. Yeah, it's going to set you free. Yeah, it's going to heal you. Yeah, it's going to, you know, but eventually it's got to gut somewhere. And you're not going to just be in that place where you're receiving, you're receiving, you're receiving. Eventually you're going to get turned around and you're going to start ministering and ministering. And you know what? There's another shift that happens. It goes from them, they will do this, to what? To you. It says you. You will be called priests of the Lord. You will be priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you will boast. Brothers and sisters, the anointing is for you. You are the priests and, and ministers. I want you to say that to your neighbor. You are a priest and a minister. You guys are all in here. Priests and ministers. And the anointing, like Elisha, who received the double portion, it goes on to say in verse, in verse 7 that we will receive a double portion. And you know what? We already have that double portion. It operates in us. It's already in us, a double portion to go out as priests and ministers in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, to preach, to heal, to deliver. And not just to the members of our church, but to go out into the nations and to free people and to set them free and heal them. Not just to be members in the army of God, but to raise up people in the army of God. That's the purpose of this knowing. And that's the mission that we have. Not just as a member of New Philadelphia Church. All right, this is not, this right here is not, you know, we don't have a copyright on this. I mean, right now this is copyright infringement because you know what? This is Jesus has copyrighted this. This is Jesus' mission. That's what he was here to do. And then you know what? It became ours when we received that anointing from him, when we received his mantle. And I want you guys to all know, take yourself seriously and realize that this is what you, they, God's called you to do. It doesn't matter what field you go into. You're going to be like, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to be uh, you know, an archaeologist. Eventually, in what you do and how you live, whatever calling God gives you is to fulfill the purpose of the anointing that he gives you. Let's pray.